This is a Mr. Thrive Media production. Well, the world is still crazy, but you know what? While the whole entire world seems to be flying topsy-turvy, we can all sit back and relax for one Friday at a time to listen to a podcast about emerging artists. Today, I introduce you guys to Eliza Jane, this intelligent, talented cartoonist, show creator. She is fantastic and talented. She is as beautiful as she is charming. She has that Australian wit that just gives you that gut-busting laughter. She is friendly and approachable. And not only that, she has connections. Very limited that you find these triple threat kind of figures where they seem to have everything going on for them in their personality, but that didn't come easy for her. She has an incredible story about her battle with mental illness, and she is here to tell us about her triumphs and her strifes, her trials and tribulations. I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Eliza Jane, and without further ado, we're going to get this show on the road. So sit back, relax, have a great Friday, enjoy the show. You have stumbled upon Mr. Thrive, Stars of Tomorrow, where together we will discover emerging artist, cartoon creator, animator, actress, Eliza Jane. Eliza, welcome to the show. You've been talking about wanting to be on this podcast forever. I'm so happy you're here. How are you doing today? Ah, good. I'm happy to be here. I'm really excited. <laughs> good. I'm excited too. You, uh, the, the main reason why I'm excited is because this is actually the second time we are doing an international interview, and that makes me completely stoked because Mr. Thrive Media's mission statement is to create engaging content while connecting artists across the nation. That only implies the United States, but if we continue on this, on this track record right now, it'll have to be changing to the world, and that'll actually mean something literally. It will not just be a claim, and that's going to be so cool. So it is really exciting to have an artist from all the way from down under from Australia in this interview. How is the weather right now in Australia? Uh, well, it's, it's nice. Nice today. Uh, third day into spring. So I'm pretty excited about that. That's um, great. Bring on summer though. Bring on summer. Yeah. <laughs> so to go along with the weather, what's pandemic like in Australia right now? Well, I'm in Melbourne. So it's kind of, uh, we're a little bit stuck. We can't leave. We can't go out of our house, five kilometers out of our house. We're in lockdown, basically. We can only go to the the shops to get some food or the doctors, you know, the doctor's surgery is pretty tough. Everyone's finding it a little bit difficult right now. So we're almost six weeks in and the government's talking about possibly extending it. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Wait, the quarantine for you only started six weeks ago? No, 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 no. We've been, we've been in like, so we've had stages. So, you know, we've had stage one, stage two, stage three, and stage four and we're in stage four right now so they kind of reduced you know people limiting people to going outside closing restaurants slowly that kind of thing and stage four is where you can't do anything you can't go outside you can't like you can't even really exercise unless it's you know within five kilometers of your house so yeah, we're in that right now and everyone's really struggling. So Yeah, it definitely does sound like a struggle, but are you at least able to stay active for yourself, do you feel? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got enough room where I'm living, so it's you know, and I work I work out at home. I do a lot of Pilates, a lot of yoga. Uh I follow the Tracy Anderson method, actually, which is what really is that? great. Uh, so the Tracy Anderson method um, is she's a, a workout. She's got her own workout and fitness routine. She's from Tra- Tracy Anderson, basically. She works out. She teaches a lot of celebrities and trains a lot. And she's come up with this own method where she focuses on all the little muscle groups, not just the main muscle groups. And it actually slims, tones you down. It, she does a little an hour session every day where you work on your mat work, your muscle tone and an hour of cardio every day. So it's quite, it's like aerobics and dance. It's, it's fun. Yeah, it's really good. That sounds incredible. And, yeah. I, you know, I feel like that's something I probably should have heard of by now. It sounds like something I need. Great for the ass. Great for the ass. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, well, okay, that, that is appealing. But I will tell you one thing. I was born with an incredible ass. Thank you very much. Oh, 
You know, you don't need it then, do you? <laughs> I'm a, I have a genetically perfectly round ass. If there's one thing I'm arrogant about and most proud about when it comes to my body, it is my ass. So, but it does sound like something good. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. I would, I would definitely be open to this workout process. This sounds awesome. Yeah. Let's talk about you as an artist, your up, your upbringing and whatnot. Let's start with this. Where are you from? I am from Melbourne, Australia, obviously. I was born in Carlton and I grew up in a, a little suburb called Langwarren. I, I love Melbourne. I really do. I love what, Melbourne. What's great about it? I feel like it has everything. We have the beaches, we have a lot of culture, we have, you know, the arts, great doctors, great, a lot of science is going on here. A lot of, um, I, I just think it's really nice. We have nature, uh, we have the best of everything. We really do. To live in Australia or Melbourne, I feel for me is the best place, you know. But I've always, since I was five, I knew I wanted to move to LA. I've always been drawn to LA and it's a very funny thing, which I'm sure we'll go into later on in the interview. I'm not sure, but yeah, I, I want to move to the States and yeah, I didn't know why as a child, but I think I know why now. I feel, so like, I feel like you and I have the exact opposite uh, travel itinerary right now because I, I would love to, right when this quarantine is lifted, go travel to Australia <laughs> But that's even if they let Americans travel outside the United States after this quarantine. When the quarantine is lifted, because yeah. you know, even the way things are in America right now, you can still do things. You can't even leave your house in Melbourne right now, so right. there's nothing to do. But no, Australia is really beautiful. It's one of the, it's really it really is one of the best countries in the world. We have the most beautiful nature, uh, the animals, the wildlife. I mean. Again, but, some of but the they're as people. beautiful as they are dangerous. Like I've seen horror oh. stories of like someone tried to just use the toilet and then a snake started slithering up. And ever since watching that video of a snake going up the toilet, <laughs> that man or woman would have been doing their business. That's become a, a, a horror story in my mind. The animal Isn't that exciting more. though? Isn't that exciting? It's like a surprise. A surprise venom bite up your butthole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not, it. it's, it's not as bad as, as it sounds, okay. but, um, but it's good. It's What's really the most good. dangerous animal encounter you've had so far in Melbourne? Oh God. I mean, so many, like where I live, <laughs> we live on land. It's not so bad. Had, and then so many. <laughs> I had a snake catcher come to get one snake from under our veranda. He couldn't find that, but he walked just around our property and he picked up six snakes in 20 minutes. You called him for one snake. He found six snakes. In 20 minutes. And if he stayed for about three hours, he would have found at least 30 odd. Oh my God. <laughs> um, we lived in a shed for a while while we built our house, which is quite funny because I'm going back to that shortly. Okay. Um, <laughs> back to that lifestyle shortly. Wow. But yeah, so we had an outside uh, shower and I used to get up at six to shower before school and I would walk into the shower and there'd be scorpions all in the shower on the floor, you know? So we had those. Not in the shower. That, yeah. is, that is a place of zen. That is, oh. a, that is a place of like centering yourself. And then you come across a fucking scorpion. That just sounds awful. Oh, it's awful. fantastic. And there was like, like seven little ones, you know, and they're all like with their little claws and well, stuff. Well, you make it sound like you're talking about like little hermit crabs with the tone <laughs> of voice you have. And then you, you got to remember it's a scorpion, okay? It's like, it's very different. I know. But yeah, I mean, you know, we have them. I think um, what I don't like is I don't like spiders. You know, I hate okay. spiders. Okay. Uh, I just don't like the look of them. But the big ones, they're probably the, less, the least venomous. It's the real tiny little ones that are, are really, they can kill you, mm -hmm. which is really odd. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, we have heaps of them in my house too. So. Every, time, every time that I've been to Hawaii, uh, I've always encountered what they call sugarcane spiders. Have you ever heard oh, of those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the, they're the spiders with the gold crusted plate on their, I guess, I mean, it's where their heart is, but to me, it's a butt. It's where their butt is. We've been talking a lot about butts on this podcast. Today, yeah, I know. So we'll just keep the theme going. We're just probably going to name the episode this, just butts. Um, <laughs> but the spider has this gold-plated face on its butt, and it's actually really intimidating, but they're called sugarcane spiders. Wow. They're freaky. Wow. They're real freaky. I don't know. Are they super venomous or what's... I, I don't know. I just uh, stay away <laughs> from them. 
Yeah, I mean, but my, get my, by one and we'll see, right? <laughs> right, right. Listen, I know spiders are actually good for the environment. Like they're good for your, I actually don't even know what they're good for, but listen, I just want them to stay away from me. I, I am with just, you on that. I am an arachnophobe. It's just like the more legs they have, the creepier they are. So if know? it was more than eight legs, then you'd yeah. make a petition to kill them all. Well, I, I don't like killing things because I'm very, I just, I feel bad. Even okay. when it's ugly, I feel bad. Okay. Um, when I was in Boston a few years back, I was in my, my boyfriend at the time's apartment and I saw something run across the room very quickly. And I was like, what's that? What's that? You know? And then I saw it like scatter across again. And I'm like, okay, I'm freaking out. And then um, I lifted up, I, I can't remember if it was a table or whatever it was. I lifted it up. And it was this real like long little bug thing. And it had like a million legs. I don't know what they're called over there. Is it a centipede? And, no, it wasn't a centipede. It was like, it was long and flat. And I, I don't know what it was, but it scared the hell out of me. And my, my partner at the time, he was like, you live in Australia. You have the worst things on the planet. And you're scared of this little thing. Like, <laughs> I feel the same way. That's probably exactly what I would say too. But it's just, ugh. You come from the melting pot of evolution. Do you realize I that? I know. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic. So, okay. Let's go back to you though as an artist because we're getting sidetracked on this tangent of the creepy know, crawlers of, of, of the world. But so you're from <laughs> Melbourne, which is, sounds like the most fantastic place in the world. You want to come to LA. Um, but leading up to realizing that you want to come to LA, what happens next in the journey of an artist for yourself? There's so much I want to do. So right now I am in the, in the midst of, I've created a couple of TV shows. I've got some pictures going on and I am feeding them through networks and some people that I know and things are progressing quite slowly, but they're progressing. And I don't know, it's quite exciting. It's that next step. It's quite exciting. And I'm building a nice little base. I've got a great base in LA, actually. You know, I've got a lot of friends there. I've got uh, a lot of contacts in the industry now. I got places to stay. I've got good options of where I can live. Like it's, it's really great, you know, and I love going there. You know, I'm, I always fly back and forth every couple of weeks. <laughs> it's, you know, when we're not in quarantine. Yeah. 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 When I'm not in quarantine. So yeah, that's really my main goal is to have my own show. Well, ultimately. ultimately. Well, you are most welcome in LA. I, I miss you. I remember the one time I met you, you were hanging out with Mick, who is also an alum of this podcast. Oh, yeah. Mick Primer, uh, who, who was on this podcast. I helped him sound mix for this short film that he was making. And I think it did pretty well. I don't know. I did the audio for that. And that's oh, when I met okay. you. Yeah, yeah, that's when I met you. Yeah, no, that was a great day. Well, you know, we just, um, I think I was half awake that night. <laughs> but yeah, Long no, it was, it was, it was, it was. No, it was really good. Mick's a really good guy. That's amazing. Well, we'll get to, we'll get to talking about your TV shows in a second. But in the meantime, let's start to where your talents got started. Was it like in school that you discovered your talents or where, where would you find them? Grade two, actually. Grade, grade two. two. Grade two. So that's what, what, I don't know what you call it in America, but you know, there's prep, your first thing of, of primary school, and then there's grade one, and then there's grade two. So, uh, and all the kids in, in the classroom, you know, we all had to draw a fish and, and color it and everything like that. And uh, my fish in the classroom was the only fish that actually looked like a fish. <laughs> And obviously I'm a kid. I don't really like, I don't, yeah, I don't care. I don't really pay attention to that. But, um, the teacher pulled my mom aside at the time and she said, Eliza is exceptional at art. And I think this is something she's going to have to pursue when she's older. Yeah. It was just sort of something there. And then through primary school, like, you know, you sort of just do your little things. And then art was just something I really enjoyed. I never enjoyed anything else. Then high school came along and I just never went. <laughs> I was always skipping classes, uh, all very social. And, you know, and I wanted to be an actress because I never, I never really realized that cartooning and animation was sort of a career. I never really paid attention to that. So I was like, no, no, I'm going to be an actress and that's what I'm going to do. And 
I was involved in calisthenics. What is so, that for the American audiences? Oh, yes, of course. Because America's actually, um, the calisthenics associations bringing that to America, I just heard. They're actually, the clubs are, are actually performing some calisthenics at Disneyland every now and again. Wow. So that's a new thing. But calisthenics is, um, it's a very competitive sport and it's a very serious sport to people involved. And it's a combination of ballet, um, gymnastics, uh, acting, and your basic dancing. And you could perform on stage. Uh, all the audience lights are out, you know, that kind of thing. Everyone's got to be quiet. And your makeup is like, it's packed on. You wear leg tan, these little tiny leotards. Uh, we used to get up. I started at three years old and I, um, I finished 13 years later. So I was, yeah, I was in for 13 years. And as a calisthenics girl, you would get up at maybe 5 a.m. for competitions and you would be out till nine at night, you know, performing. You'd be on stage all day, you know. It sounds almost like a, like for that age, a little bit miserable of an experience, but. Oh, fun. Oh, but it was fun. Oh, like if you, if you took it seriously, it was, it was, it's your life. So it was your life for a little bit. It's your life because you love it so much. It's kind of like if you wanted to be a ballerina or a child actress, you know, and it's your life, it's, you know. So my, my main focus at school was my friends and then calisthenics was my life because I just loved it so much. Yeah, and I was quite good at that actually. And yeah, it was, it was wonderful. So I did all that and I just wanted to be an actress. And then year 12 came around, our final year where you have all the exams and things like that. In Australia, it's BCE. I don't know what it is in America. To graduate, obviously, I wanted to go to university. And I decided that I wanted to pursue some sort of art course. My parents were very much like, you know, you should go and get a degree in something and use your art skills and maybe go and do a graphic design course because you will at least hopefully get a job in that. And I focused, my main focus in VCE was to get, to do four subjects. So I did studio art, art, graphic design, and then I did English just so I could pass. Just so art, 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 and a and a. It was just all art. Class. So yeah. I, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I knew um, that I wasn't going to get a great score at the end of the year. We have enter scores. So if you do really into like um, chemistry, sciences, maths, you'll get a really high score, especially if you do really well in them. If you do art, you will get a low score. So I knew I wasn't going to get anything, which is I didn't care because you didn't need a score to get into, you know, the universities here. So I just drew the whole year, had a good time, and I got into my university of choice, which was great. Did three years of graphic design, majoring in advertising. Uh, And then while I did that, I went to the Pixar exhibition. I discovered animation really is something and it's something I really want to do. And, you know, that's where my talent lies in cartoons and things like that. So um, I then moved on to the Victorian College of the Arts, did a year in animation. I created some short films. They then went in film festivals and went viral. They went all around the world, you know, Europe, America, they were super popular in America. You know, they got into film festivals like the Beverly Hills Film Festival, Cannes, they won awards everywhere. And I was, I was quite shocked because I didn't- Why were you shocked? Because I didn't think that they were that good. (laughs) You didn't have faith in your own work the way that everyone else was cherishing your work. No, not at all. Even when, when I went to the Beverly Hills Film Festival, you know, it was up for, you know, best animated short. And I'm sitting in the audience and all these films, mine was up last, and all these films that came up before mine, they had like credits from studios. You know, they were the quality of Avatar, you know. And then mine comes up. And keep in mind, I did mine all alone, like one person in the lounge room, in you know my pajamas <laughs> like <laughs> it was really you know basic and um and i was sitting there when mine came on super embarrassed i just didn't want to be known that it was mine and i'm i'm sitting down in the chair i have the swig of alcohol 
And my You're friend's drinking. with me. I'm like hiding and my friend's with me and he's looking around and he's like, people are laughing. They're enjoying it. I'm like, what? What is wrong with people? <laughs> it was crazy. And then we had the after party and um, I was sitting at this table next to all these incredible artists and designers and we were all talking about what we do, you know, and there was um, one couple who have a movie that plays at IMAX, the IMAX theater in Melbourne, which is huge. And that, that movie has been playing there for 10 years and they did a feature film at Beverly Hills. And then the other woman who's next to me, she actually worked on Avatar and you know, there's all these amazing people. And then they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, uh, I'm a bum at home. (laughs) 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 I just make short films. Like, no, it, but you probably I, got so much admiration from that because I'm sure they could relate I, to that too. I did. I did. But, you know, but they were really, they were really kind and they're like, well, look how far you've come. And, and it was just, it was so nice. It was very touching. And so it was really lovely. Pause for one second, because what you, everything, this, this whole entire journey that you just described, you talked about yourself, you know, around high school when a lot of people don't exactly have their mind made, you knew that you wanted to get into the career of art. You just didn't know exactly what it was. By the time you got into college, you knew exactly that it was animation. Animation was the thing to pursue and you chase it. And that and that only led you to all these different film festivals where you got to sit next to giants afterwards in the after party. And what that reminds me of, as you're describing it, it reminds me of this quote that Will Smith said. Will Smith, he's, they, in, in an interview, he was asked, did you have a plan B? If not acting, did you have a plan B? And he said, no, he said, no, I did not have a plan B because if I had a plan B, I'd be preparing myself to fail. That's what he said. Yeah. That's so, so, true. so then, then you like, you know, parallel to yourself here where you, you, you tunnel focused on this one thing and mm-hmm. pretty early on in your career, that was when you were able to put a pin on being able to sit with all these major individuals around you. It's not a typical thing. That's not very common. So, I mean, you should be proud of yourself. That's part of the reason why you're on this podcast. I think it's phenomenal. Will Smith has some uh, great, great quotes. I like Will Smith a lot. He's very, great. His YouTube channel is good too. Yeah, he's very um, inspirational. He and his wife. No, but I never really, I, I never really think about, I think I'm just so focused on getting there. Sometimes I never stop and think how far I've come either. You sort of just don't stop and take a breath. You also kind of alluding to what your work ethic is like on a regular basis. Your work ethic seems to be pretty intense. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, when I was at university for animation, obviously, I had to make two films in that time, two films in that time. And we only had 10 months at the school. And I'd never made films before at all, never animated before in my life. And so I would make these films and I would wake up at 6 a.m. and I would animate all through the day into the evening. I'd go to bed at one, two in the morning and then I would get up at six and start again. And I did that pretty much the whole 10 months. I got very, 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 very sick. But I I look back and I go, why can't I work like that still? You know, it frustrates me. (laughs) But no one can work like that. No one can work like that. It's not healthy. So yeah, you, you worked yourself into being, into being sick, unfortunately. I did. But, yeah. And we'll, I did. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that, that soon. But uh, I think you were, you were going on to talk about the Pixar exhibition, right? Last, last yeah. we were at in the timeline. Yeah. So yeah, the Pixar exhibition was fantastic. I mean, that was one of the best. The other exhibition that I saw, I've seen so many exhibitions, so many concerts um, and comedy celebrities, like unbelievable. You know, I love the opera. I love the ballet. So I'm always going to shows and things like that. But the other um, art exhibition that I saw that was probably one of my favorites was Tim Burton. He came to Melbourne and I, I went to see it three times when it first came out in the middle of it. And then at the end, like before it was going to go. And every time the line to get in, it was packed and it was just full packed, like to get through it. It was phenomenal. Tim Burton has such a neat style that just draws you in. It's it's fantastic. Oh yeah. He's brilliant. 
yeah, Pixar really inspired me. I loved all those little those movies and yeah. Do you have a favorite Pixar film? You know what? Probably Monsters Inc. Really? Yeah. That's a fantastic one. Why? Why I, Monsters Inc. I love them. Um, I love that, but I I also love The Incredibles because I love the design yeah. of it. I the think aesthetic it's really, is pretty great. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, and I love uh, Edna Mode. Oh yeah. Uh, a lot of people think she's me. <laughs> so, <laughs> really? Yeah. You're not that short. Oh no, I am. I'm five foot. I'm that's not short. I mean, like that's like foot. average. I don't know. No, it's, it's not. not. It's short. Oh yeah. I mean, okay, it's, it's Edna short, Mode, but it's like, not short, short. Edna is short, short. She's like knee height. Okay, all right. She's knee height, but I'm okay. like, I'm like armpit height. <laughs> you, you, okay, <laughs> okay. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll give you this. I'll give you this. That you have the sass of Edna. Yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> no, no, not even with my bowl haircut. You know when I used no, to that. No, that okay. You I can see it. You have some resembling features. Okay, okay, Edna. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love her. She's so cute. But no, the aesthetic, I love that. Yeah, I love the characters in that, I think. Ratatouille is one of my favorite Pixar films. I watched it late for some reason. Like I watched it like a couple years after it came out. But like I love the way, I love the way it, it like describes flavor with a visual. I feel like that mm-hmm. must have been for the artists like something really hard to wrap your head around when it mm-hmm. came to like, how do you describe a flavor with visuals? Oh, I know. And they did it so beautifully and abstractly in when he just when he tastes the food when he tastes the soup oh. for the first time you're making me hungry so. <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i can taste curry right now i don't know why i'm not i'm not even thinking about curry but i can taste the flavor is is indian food your favorite type of food i love indian food oh my yeah. gosh i'd have to say one of the probably- best one of the best indian restaurants i went to was when I was traveling Europe and I was with my aunt and uncle. They took me to this Indian restaurant in Scotland of all places. Oh. And it was really good. Really just flavorful. The right level of spicy. The curries were there. I'll I'll stop talking, but there was really good lamb. I mean, I don't know if you're a lamb fan, but like it was Oh, yeah, no, I love it. No, I love it. But I also love them as pets, so. Do you, have you had pet lambs before? My Opa had them. Oh, really? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and see, my Opa was really like, you know, when he was younger, because he was in the war and, and things like that in Germany. So when he moved to Australia, he was very much like, you know, we grow chickens and we have pigs and then we bring them in the house and we chop their heads off, you know, like that. Oh, he was, yummy. Mm. He's like that, you know, because okay. that's what they did back then. Right. But when he was older and he still believed in all of that, he still believed in hunting and all of that. But in saying that when he was older, he had sheep. And they were his babies. It was really strange. And his, okay. his favorite sheep was his favorite. Uh, it was a lamb at first, obviously, uh, was Cinderella. She was beautiful. She was so cute. <laughs> I don't even know name. if it was a girl. It might have been a boy. But, <laughs> but it was so adorable. And, um, yeah, I, I really love sheep. I think they're beautiful pets, lambs. I, they're just gorgeous. Yeah. Right, right. So they, they weren't for eating at all. They were just for pets. No. No, but I, you know, I know people that get them, grow them as family and then eat them too. So it's pretty messed up, but that's life. That's life. (laughs) You know, I'm sure it's a thing in America too. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, not in California because it's not (laughs) really, there is, so there is agriculture in California. California has one of the biggest agricultural, you know, effects on America. There's so Mm -hmm. much farming out here, but if you're in like any of the major cities, you wouldn't know it. Now I live in Oxnard. I live an hour away from Los Angeles and I can see it. I live right across from a bunch of farms. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's absolutely beautiful to see that. And it's just a complete polar opposite to what I was used to in the city life, having yeah. just moved here to Oxnard. So I totally get that. Well, I mean, I can't imagine it being in the heart of LA when everyone's a vegan. <laughs> right. Well, they... <laughs> No, there's not a lot of lamb in, in, in the vegan restaurants of Los Angeles. No. No, no. Not where I've been anyway. <laughs> Speaking of Pixar films, like I was in San Francisco when, they, when, they, when Pixar released Inside Out, which yeah. is where uh, it's based. And living in San Francisco when that movie came out was very neat because I remember them having all these inside jokes. Like they made, they made the, the bear joke. About about larger gay men, where the yeah, angry, yeah, the angry the character says, "I think I saw a bear earlier." Like it yeah. was just so subtle, totally went over every child's head. But every adult in the theater knew exactly what they were talking about. 
And then, of course, the the inside joke about putting broccoli on pizza, that's a real place. I don't know if you know about that, but that's a real- No, I've heard about it. I've heard about it. That's a real place in San Francisco that is famous for putting broccoli on pizza, which I'm- I'm, Yeah. Yeah. And I'm right there with every single emotion in in the main character's head. Who who the fuck puts broccoli on pizza? That just enrages me. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to try it one time. I'm going to try it. See what it tastes like. I, I would try it. I do like broccoli. I'm, I'm just, just covered like, in cheese. It's probably fine. It's probably fine. I'm just being a little shithead. I'm sorry to every vegetarian who I might have offended. <laughs> but just know this. You're wrong. Don't put broccoli on pizza. You're wrong. You're, you're wrong. wrong. <laughs> well, people criticize me when I have pineapple, but I love pineapple. That was going to be the next thing I say. I was going to talk about. You like pineapple on your pizza? I love it. I don't know what's wrong with people. How can you not like pineapple on pizza? You are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> the best. Who puts like pineapple on pizza? Oh God. Pizza's a savory meal. It's through and through. I worked at I worked at Blaze Pizza in college, which I have PTSD from. Anytime anyone ordered pineapple, I would mess with them so hard. I, I, they, it, so let me get, let me, let me back up for a little bit. When I was working at this pizza place in San Francisco and like, we, I'd be, I'd be working until like midnight or like 1am when we would close on weekdays and then 2am if it was a weekend, it was, it was awful. Absolutely awful because you get the, the worst people and also we're in a flagship location. So we're busy 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. It gets to the point where I'm feeling so overworked that on a regular basis, I would hit this phase that I didn't know existed called the loopy phase. And you might be asking, what's the loopy phase? Well, we've all experienced it. It's when we get so tired that you start acting silly. Yeah. And this mixed with customer service is a terrible thing to mix. So next thing we know at like midnight, some stoner would be coming in, order a pizza with pineapple. And I'd go, you want pineapple? You want pineapple? He'd be like, I said pineapple. You want pineapple? Oh, God. Can I have the pineapple? Yeah, one thing of pineapple coming up. And I would be so weird. I just got real weird with them. <laughs> Somehow I did not end up on a weird Yelp review or anything. But like, That's so funny. <laughs> That's so funny. All right. Let's get back to talking about you as an artist, though. Enough side tangents. Where we last left off in terms of your life is that you, you were going on this whole entire tour around the world with your animation and the film festivals. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Oh God. Okay. So that's all wonderful and everything is going great. And then I met Joe Murray, the creator of Rocco's Modern Life. And that was incredible. That was such a wonderful experience. And he, I was, I had the, the fantastic opportunity to work with him and learn from him. And he helped me find myself, really find myself as an artist and a cartoon creator. I so really, he, he I really, became your mentor. He was. He was my, yeah, he was my mentor. Uh, he really understood me as an artist. You know, we had a lot in common when it came to like humor and style and comedy and things like that. And yeah, and so that was wonderful to have somebody who really understands what you're going for and to help you grow as an artist. And so he helped me figure out, yeah, not only who I am, but um, move towards what I want. And from there, I was able to develop um, two show ideas into pictures. Those show ideas I have further on developed over the last nine years or whatever. It's been a while now, I'm getting old. Uh, <laughs> and um, I, they're the ones that I'm sort of pushing through now, you know, moving them on into the industry. So exciting. Uh, yeah, it's really, really exciting. I couldn't have done that without him. Uh, and it was after that that I actually got sick. Let's talk yeah. about your sickness for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. If you're willing. Oh, of course. Of course I'm willing. I'll go, I'll go back right back to the start, I guess, because that'll make a little bit more sense. So actually, oh, well, I was 18. I was 18, you know, got my license because that's when, you know, we're allowed to start driving and everything was great. And then it was Melbourne Cup Day, which is a really big day in Australia. It's the horse racing. I went to pick my sister up from a party. And I was driving a really old, like, box, like a really old car. You know, it was a Ford Laser, so really junky up. Yeah, peace. Yeah, I went to pick my sister up from a party, and I don't know how I got from 
that place to where I got, like, I, I don't remember any of that, but I was driving around the roundabout and we were literally maybe a three minute drive from home, which was very lucky. I drove around the roundabout and then I passed out at the wheel and um, the car obviously went off the road and I crashed into somebody's fence and I wrapped on my right side of my body around a big oak tree. Oh, that's so scary. Yeah. And the car crumpled up around my sister and I. My sister was 12 at the time. She broke her foot um, and I broke my uh, my right arm, fractured my hand, and I also tore up all my quads on my right side. Oh my so God. So I, I couldn't walk, you know? I woke up in the car when all the ambulance, you know, they were, they were trying to cut me out of the car. They couldn't just lift me, obviously, because something might've been broken. My sister wasn't there and I had blood all over my chest and and I'm freaking out. Where's my sister? Where's Josephine? You know? And then um, I freaked out so much. I passed out again. Yeah. And Josie was on one side of the, um, one side of Melbourne at the Royal Children's Hospital. And I was at what the other side in the Alfred Hospital. And that was for a month. We were both separated for a month. And then my sister got out of hospital and I had to transfer to a rehab center to start working out and moving everything again and walking and all of that. And I was in rehab for another month. So question, why were you two separated? Because she was younger. So because she's 12, she was a child. She has to go to a children's hospital. Wow. And I was an adult. So I had to go to a different hospital. So that was really tough on my parents because my mom would go to one hospital then she'd go home shower, which was an hour away. And then she'd go to the other hospital and then she'd go back and my dad would do the opposite. So one was with the other and, you know, yeah. So I was in physical therapy, like a rehab center for another month. Wow. And I just wanted to get out. I'm just like, can I just get out again? Cause I'm missing summer. <laughs> I, was just, <laughs> I just wanted to get That's out. That's the and go real to issue here. Exactly. It was such an issue because I was laying there in the hospital and it was sunny outside. And I'm just like, listen, just let me leave. (laughs) 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 And you know, it wasn't, it didn't affect me mentally. Um, I wasn't traumatized by it really because I didn't know what happened. So what that was, what came next. So I went to the police and um, obviously they couldn't charge me because I had no alcohol in my system no drugs. Um, I wasn't speeding. There was nothing they could charge me on. So it was a whole, it was this big mystery. No one knew what actually happened to me. So it was just one thing. The cop said to me, you know, all I can say is just get a, get a better car. (laughs) I'm like, okay. Get a better car. I have to get a better car. (laughs) What 18 year old, I mean, some 18 year olds have the money, but I didn't have the money. So, um, and my mom, you know, my mom ended up just getting a new car for her. So my sister and I, we now share a four wheel drive type thing. Okay. I can't even think of what it's called. I've just gone blank, but it'll go oh, Ford escape. That's Ford what escape. Is. Yeah. So anyway, so that happened. And then five years went by, you know, I went traveling and, you know, drank with my friends and did late nights and all of that. And then it was when I made my second movie that I was doing the all-nighters and working hard. And one morning I went to my friend's place so he could do the sound and the editing on my film. And we were in there in his room, his dark room working on the show. And I just stopped and I dropped at the floor and I had a grand mal seizure. Oh my God. And fortunately, his, well, not fortunately for him, but his dad has epilepsy. So his mom knew exactly what to do. And yeah, and so that happened and she was home. So she bear hugged me and helped me and all of that. And I didn't know what happened. I woke up in mom's car. I had all these bruises on me. I had no idea. Mom takes me home, leaves me on the couch and she was having surgery that day. So I was supposed to drive her, so I couldn't. And my dad makes me a big steak because that's the answer to everything. A big, nice, greasy steak. (laughs) 
and then um yeah and then I ended up going to see a neurologist and that's when he told me I have epilepsy and that was the cause of the accident when I slumped at the wheel you know it was a sign and and I just never treated it you know and it came it was an onset at a later time in my life so that happened and so I was like okay I have epilepsy just give me some drugs and we'll be fine you know I didn't find that really that didn't affect me mentally either like that was okay too I don't I don't mind if I have something just tell me so we can fix it and move on that's sort of how I am you just you just fix it and you keep going good for you for skipping the the emotionals the emotional part of that that's well, not you, easy to I, do it's not easy for some people and I respect that. I understand that. I just try to look at, I think when I was in hospital, I saw things and I saw people that, that suffer a lot worse. And it's really, really tough to see that. You know, I saw little kids in the Royal Children's with cancer and, you know, and I'm talking two, three years old and five years old. And, and it's like, what, that, it's, it's terrible. So when you, when you see things like that, it, make, it puts you puts things in perspective and it's not fair. Life's just not fair. Life's just not fair. Um, but anyway, so I, I just took that on the chin and then I didn't realize that, you know, it would be a really tough journey to find the right meds. That was what was so traumatic for me. I went through all different types of medication to get the right one. And, you know, one medication gave me schizophrenic, you know, tendencies. One uh, made me put on dramatic amounts of weight. One made me um, terrified of showering. One made me climb walls like a, it, it, was, it, was, it was crazy. It was, That's so it scary. Was, it was really scary. It was really scary. And it's also, you know, what is this doing to the brain? Am I going to end up, is it going to ruin me? All, the, all these kind of fears come up when you come off those things. One, one tablet made me suicidal. How, how long was that going for, though, that, that experimental four, phase? Four years. Four years. Four years. Jesus. Mm. Wow. Four years. And then I finally found the right epileptic med, but my serotonin started decreasing. Serotonin is obviously your depressive. So what happens with epileptics a lot of the time when you have seizures, your serotonin lowers and I had to get on an antidepressant. My, the last resort for me was when I was in my front yard and I was at my wit's end and I was planning on taking my own life. And... I said to my mom, I said, I have to see my neurologist today. If I don't see him, something's going to happen because I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting it out and trying to fight it, you know. And I was very lucky that my neurologist fit me in that day and I, I demanded an antidepressant. I said, you have to give me an antidepressant today, you know. I, I just can't, I can't go on like this. So he gave me one and uh, he requested that I see a psychiatrist as well, which I wanted to do. I was happy to do that. And two weeks later, I saw a psychiatrist and he said, well, he goes, all you needed was an antidepressant. There's nothing wrong. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. And um, so it was perfect. It was perfect. And uh, I've been great ever since. I am so thankful that you're here to tell the tale. Really? Yeah. Thank yeah, you Yeah. I mean, no, no, it's fine. I mean, I, I like to be open about these kind of things because so many people are going through these struggles, some worse than others. And, and I think... I think it's good to talk about these things to know. And then getting help now is very difficult because so many people are battling these issues, whether you have bipolar, schizophrenia, epilepsy, or depression, anything, any kind of mental health issue, getting into a doctor or a psychiatrist or anything, let alone getting the right medication, it's near impossible. It just because so many people are suffering and the suicide rate has skyrocketed. So it, it's very sad. It's very sad. And it, it's such a worry. I worry for people all the time because even with people with private cover struggle, you know, I'm one of the lucky cases. And like, who knows? It could change for me. It really could. Your body changes. Your mind changes. Everything changes. So question only- for you. Is there an Australian suicide hotline? Yeah, there is. And the suicide rate is large. It's, yes. It's so let's just put it like that. Well, the reason I ask is because I, in the show notes of this episode, there is not only going to be a United States 
suicide hotline available, but there's going to be an Australian suicide hotline available in the show notes of this episode. If anyone listening to this is depressed or is considering taking their own life, please refer to the show notes below. It gets better. I'm sorry that you're going through what you're going through. And there's a whole community of people out there who are ready to accept you and help you through what you are going through. Um, There is no such thing as a small problem, a small issue, uh, whether it is indescribable or not, or is describable. It doesn't matter how menial or how large it is. There's a whole community out there willing to accept you. And this is, you know, this is one of the many pandemics that exist out there is suicide and, and the lack of mental health support out there. But these hotlines are there to help you and introduce you to communities that can provide the needs for getting you to a better mental state. So you are, you are wanted, you are, you are loved. Please just know that there are resources out there and, and people who are, who are ready to accept you. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. There's nothing to be ashamed of. And there really is no stigma anymore because so many people suffer. We definitely took a certain serious uh, turn, but I mean, it, it's, it's, it's important. It's important to talk about those things because it, I mean, it's relatable. And I'm, again, I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm so, so thankful you're here to tell the tale, Eliza, and Thanks. talk about your career in animation, your career in a little bit of acting, which we haven't gotten to yet, but we will talk about that soon. You know, you've been through a lot. So there wouldn't be the full picture of you. Also, I got to say, I'm very, very appreciative for your vulnerability and your openness on this podcast. Whether you realize it or not, it's pretty heroic that you're talking about that. So thank oh, you for sharing. No, it's okay. I, I, I'm very open. I'm, I'm a very open and honest qu- person. So I, any questions, you know, go for it. Absolutely. And at the very end of this episode, we'll have Eliza's uh, information so that you can contact her. You know, going back to Eliza's career here i know that acting was also involved in this equation in this in this timeline of your life let's talk about that yeah okay well yeah i mean you know like i said earlier i've always wanted to be an actress and so i did a little bit of acting as a child outside the calisthenics i did some little tv courses with judy banks and then um when i got a little bit older when i was at university I uh, signed up with an agent, took some acting classes as well. And I did some um, acting work on television. I did some work on Neighbours in 2009, I think it was. With, and Margot Robbie was on there at that time. Wow. How was it working with her? Yeah, it was good. I worked with, I worked with James Nesbitt. There's a TV show called Rush. I did a bit of work on that. Yeah, I did a few, I did quite a few little things here and there. So it, it was really, really good. Very interesting. And then I, I stopped that for a while because my animation took off. So yeah, because it took off, I thought, okay, I'm going to, move forward with that for a while. And then after I created my series and after I got sick, when I just started getting well, I thought, okay, I'm gonna, I wanna go to LA for a little bit and just do something to get me back into the swing of things. So I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and studied acting. Wow. That was one of the best experiences of my life. What made it so great? Oh, everything. Um, The course itself. I you really, really hone in on your acting skills. I learned so much. I learned things there that I've, I don't think I would have learned here in Melbourne or Australia. I, I, you know, the, the coaches there are phenomenal. Uh, and I have to say, like, I have family there. The people that we worked with, Mick was one of them. Mick okay, that's where you met Mick. How, how would I not know Mick if it wasn't for Ada? Monkey Mick. Um, <laughs> monkey. monkey Mick, beautiful, um, beautiful monkey Harry man. Mick. I know. I love yeah, that Mick, guy. we love you. We love you. Mick. <laughs> uh, he better listen to this. <laughs> yeah, no, it was just you know I have friends for life there now. You know, and we all we all live on opposite ends of the world. You know, some in Italy. Iceland, um, Ireland, like everywhere. And we talk all the time. I, I just miss them so much. Um, that sounds like a really sounds- lovely community. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And we're all in one big messenger. And, you know, it was, yeah, you meet people there and you connect with them on this level that I've never connected 
I've never connected with anybody like that in such a big wide circle. It, yeah. Yeah. That, that just, sounds beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it, it was. And the school, I mean, the school was so welcoming and it's so fun and you really come out of your shell there, you know? Wow. So, That's incredible. I, I would love to go back and do that all over again. I recommend it to anyone whoever wants to get into acting and, you know, get a new social network going and, you know, even if you want to do something like a short course and you want to get your confidence going, like anything, anything. That sounds like an incredible community. That's really it. You have to have goals in order to move forward. You're such a badass. I love you. <laughs> yeah, I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. So what is, what is leading up to 2020 at that point in, in your career? You know, you just, you just got back from, from getting on the horse. What happens then? Okay. So after that, so after Ada, really, I kept coming back to LA, making frequent trips, you know, and uh, fortunately I had mixed place to stay at, you know, but I also have um, another friend who I met through a film festival years and years and years back. His name's Manny and he works at Nickelodeon. And so, you know, I'd stay at his place too. And it was great. You know, we catch up and I get to hang out with all these cool people and there was one day he invited me to a recording session. And so I was like, okay, I'm coming along. He wouldn't tell me what it was for. And so I went along and I'm just hanging out in this session at Nickelodeon waiting to, you know, I'm so excited. I have no idea what the show is. And he's like, it's a really big show. I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to surprise you. And then who walks in but Tom Kenny. And I'm like, oh my God, it's SpongeBob, you know? So that's when I clicked, it's SpongeBob. You met SpongeBob. I I stood up and I'm like, oh my God, it's Tom Kenny. And he looked at me and laughed. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I'm sorry, but I know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I love you so much, Tom Kenny. You know, the directors and that came in and Dee Bradley Baker came in, who is class off American Dad and you know, he's on Star Wars, you know, he's the clones. And I mean, he's everything. D is everything. He has the best career because he's kind of, he's kind of in the, in the background where, where it's not really in the center focus, but yet he's getting so much work and he's so active. Oh, he is, he is active all the time. He is working every day. It's so amazing. He has, he has the best life. He really does. <laughs> he does. Like, do you think you have, do you think you have a best role that D Baker has, has performed in? He feels like, the Clone Wars is his best role, maybe. Yeah. I think that's how he feels. I think Klaus is. I, I, I like Klaus. Him. I think that voice is epic. That accent and that voice. <laughs> I, every time I talk to him, I'm like, do the Klaus. Do the Klaus. <laughs> do the Klaus. <laughs> so you talk to him on a regular basis? You're on a first name basis with him? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's epic. <laughs> yeah, he's, 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 he's a really great guy. Really wonderful. So when we were in the SpongeBob session... You know, you know, we were talking about, you know, their work and, and then they asked what I do and um, I told them and everything. And I said, you know, I've got to get the show in the right hands because that's really the reality of it. It's getting your work in the right hands. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, do this and do that. I'm going to be real people. Okay. you got to get your stuff in the right hands. You know, it's, it's all about finding the right home for what you do. I mean, this is the reality of it. I'm just, you know. It, that's just it. So I told them about it and everything and they gave me some great advice and I was fortunate to, you know, get to know Dee and keep in contact with him. From there, I had the the opportunity to meet people through him and um, I had the opportunity, I got the invitation to go to uh, the Stupid Buddy Christmas party. Okay. Death Green's Christmas oh, party. Oh, that's right. Okay, got it. Wow. Yeah. Which is where I saw my friend Laura, who works at Titmouse, but she used to work at Stupid Buddy too. <laughs> so that was great. It was a really good catch up there, and that was wonderful. And it's been it's been really great, just you know, meeting people and seeing people. And it's really interesting to you know, obviously Seth was there, and his wife was there. His wife is so beautiful. Oh my God, I love his wife. She's really? So oh, she's st- not only is she stunning, but she's actually beautiful. Her name's Claire, but. Oh my God. Just seeing her in person. Better watch out, Seth. You got, you got an admirer coming in. 
I know, I know. I will challenge him to a duel for her. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, she's she's gorgeous. But uh, yeah, so that's been pretty great. And then, um, you know, I've got some help from people looking at my projects and help guiding and things like that. Things have been good. Things have been good. That's so exciting. Do you think there's a time frame that we can give the audience for when they can expect your work to be coming out? Or is it too early to tell? Well, it's a little early to tell, but right now I've got some people in Australia who, have con- who are connected to some networks in America who are looking at it now too. How excited does that get you? Very excited. <laughs> I'm excited for you. I mean, you know, I, I don't like, look, I don't like to get too excited because it can fall through any time. But, you know, it's one of those things now where I've come, I have really come a long way. And if it doesn't get in the hands of this person now, it will get in the right hands somewhere. And that's okay. That's okay. I'm okay with that. I think it's one of those things where the right door will open at the right time. It wasn't the right time four years ago when I wanted it. It wasn't the right time last year. It might be the right time next year, you know? I have nothing but high hopes for you. What is the most valuable piece of advice that you hold true to yourself that you follow day by day? (laughs) You really want to know. (laughs) I'm scared now. (laughs) Okay. Okay. It's completely unrelated, but. um, Oh, okay. I was going to make it more career related, but okay. Yeah. Go for it. I know. I don't have anything career related at all because I'm more, I'm more life-based. Like, okay. Let's hear your life-based advice then. I'm, I'm more, no, you know what? It's not even advice. It's just more of a quote. Okay. I have two. I have two. I have Let's two. hear them. Let's hear them. One is every moment depressed is a moment wasted. It's not easy to take when you are suffering, but when you come out of that, it is the truth. It is a moment wasted. And my great grandmother said that. Wow. And she's, absolute, and she's absolutely right. She's absolutely right. Because you could be out do like your life is too short and again like i said it's not easy when you're in a dark place which is why you want to get help as soon as you can and we all want that so i try to wake up and think like that when i feel low and i try and do things to make me feel better whether it's meditation whether it's drawing whether it's taking a salt bath whatever take half an hour out for yourself and do something nice for yourself and the, yeah No, I was going to say a gentleman by the name of Sir Jeremy Green gave advice to me once. He said, any day above ground is a good day. That's what he said to me. That's just what what you reminded me of. It's true. It's true. You know? What was the other advice that you had? This isn't advice. It's just more of a quote. And it's true as well. (laughs) You're born alone and you die alone. Okay. (laughs) That's your quote? That is the most counterintuitive, least helpful quote. I know. Wait, wait, that's not true. That's not necessarily true. People die not alone. Yes, you do. No. Like, you, can okay. be laying next, you can be laying next to someone, but you're still dying alone. You're still going up there or down there or over there alone. <laughs> well, like, okay. But like, like, for example, Chadwick Boseman, he died with his family beside him. He wasn't alone. No, but like, he's still alone. Oh, you mean like going through death by himself? Yeah. Oh, that's you different see? than being alone. That's very different. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's completely different. <laughs> That's shit advice. Don't, don't listen to that. I didn't say it was advice, did I? I just said it's a quote. It's a shit quote. Let me just say I that. <laughs> You're, I'm never going to go to you for motivational quotes ever again. No, don't. I'm not motivational at all. <laughs> well, no, you but know you, about me. No, but to balance out everything in this podcast, you have said a lot of really amazing things that I really can't wait to highlight when we sample out this episode because you do have an incredible story and, and the success that you're about to strike gold on with. I'm, I'm just so excited for you. Seriously, congratulations getting to where you are now. If someone listening right now wanted to reach out to you, what is the best way to get in contact with you? Probably email X Eliza Jane. So E-L-I-Z-A-J-A-Y-N-E at outlook.com. All of that information will be displayed in the show notes below. And finally, Eliza, the question I ask everyone on this podcast, do you know the question? Oh, God. What is it? (laughs) What will you be famous for? I am going to be the queen of animation. Oh, that is epic. I am going to be the female Seth MacFarlane. Bring it on, Seth. I am going to challenge you. 
with my female <laughs> powers. I love it. And I am so motivated by that. That is officially the title of this, this episode. So Eliza, thank you so much for being on this podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks for tuning in all the way from Australia. And no, I can't you. wait for you to move out to LA and to conquer Los Angeles animation. Uh, no, it'll be great. Thank you so much for today. It was really fun. If you've listened this far, it must mean you're a thriver. I want to thank you so much for listening. We want to stay connected with you. So please, in order to do that, we need you to follow every single one of our social media platforms. Can you do that? Follow us at Mr. Thrive Media, one word, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All the same. Also, we want to keep you completely informed as to all the services that we provide. You can do that by going onto our website, www.mrthrive.com. That is mrthrive.com. Have a great day, and thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.